Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. Thank you also to the Clinician Experience Project by Practicing Excellence for sponsoring this episode. The Clinician Experience Project by Practicing Excellence provides coaching and development solutions for clinicians, leaders, and teams working in some of the nation's largest hospitals and healthcare systems. As a leading provider of clinician design content, the Clinician Experience Project team partners with clients to deploy skill-building programs that map directly to organizational goals, delivering measurable enterprise-wide results. To learn more about how your organization can improve patient and organizational outcomes, visit www.practicingexcellence.com. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Jessica is the co-founder and CEO of Lemonada Media, which is an award-winning podcast network, and it was created in a time of her grieving the loss of her brother to opioid use disorder. Lemonada, since its inception, has exploded on the podcast scene with multiple hit shows, including Last Day and In the Bubble with Andy Slavitt, which is now hosted by great friend of Explore the Space, Dr. Bob Walker. And Jessica joins us on Explore the Space today to discuss the origin and the vision of Lemonada Media, the shared moment of national grief that we're in during the COVID-19 pandemic, and how some parts of grief can be leveraged into something aspirational. Her worldview is remarkable. And in this time and space where we are, it's, it's really important to have conversations like this with innovators like Jessica. And it was an absolute treat to speak with her. Before we get to the conversation, just want to invite everyone, please do subscribe to Explore the Space podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google or Stitcher or wherever you download your shows. We're on all the major platforms. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at ETS Show. I also recently delivered a TEDx with TEDx SUNY Upstate. The topic was compliments as a performance lever during COVID-19. The link is now on YouTube, and I've put a link to the TEDx in the show notes. And I would love it if you would check it out. It was a wonderful experience for me to get to be a TEDx speaker. And I think you will really enjoy the presentation as well. There is a link in the show notes, and it is on YouTube. The show notes to this episode are also packed. And I would invite all of you to go to the show notes and check them out. All of the world of Lemonada Media is there. There's some great articles there. There's the homepage. There's an LA Times article around Jess and the founding of Lemonada Media. We also have a link to the Explore the Space podcast archive on the opioid epidemic. And so I'd invite you to all go and check all that out. And please do share the show with your friends and colleagues. Really helps us out and obviously really appreciate all of your support. So now, without further ado, this is a great conversation. It's a really important and a timely conversation 
with a with a vital innovator and it was a real treat to speak with jessica so without further ado jessica cordova kramer jess welcome to explore the space podcast thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me the the time and the space in which we get to have this conversation feels really momentous in the midst of so many momentous times and it i think it maybe feels that way because in the midst of so much chaos and upheaval and grief and sadness, I sense, and I might be wrong, and I feel like you have a really good strategic view of this. It feels like people are looking and have a tremendous amount of pent up energy that is ready to kind of be released back out. That's been on hold for over a year now because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but is now ready to become unlocked. That's how I'm sort of seeing the world. And as someone who has created a network wherein people can communicate and share stories and share vision. Do you have that same sense or am I being a little bit naive? No, I think you're right. I mean, I think you're totally right. I think the zeitgeist is like, yes, released uh, from, from being locked down literally, but also we've been through the exact same trauma together, at least at a very surface level, obviously, complete variety of experiences that we've had in the past year. And yet we've all been through this pandemic together here and in Brazil and in Japan and in wherever you are. And so there's this sort of common starting place that I think we've never really had. And I think it's an interesting time. When, When Lemon Lava launched in 2019, we did a lot of research around a network that helps people get out of bed in the morning. And it In 2019, Mark, I don't know if you remember, but we were like miserable and depressed. And that was before the (laughs) pandemic. Like statistically speaking, something like 40 percent of adults sat alone in their car for at least an hour a week um, just to avoid having to go into the home or into the job. That's a lot of people and no one was talking about it. And then this pandemic hit and all of a sudden we were all talking about a lot of the same things. And it happened in conjunction with a massive national dialogue about race and equity and, and inequality. Um, and so I, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting time to be alive and creating art and trying to push the national dialogue along in an exponential way. Um, so yeah, I think we're ready for a lot of things like let's talk about mental health and let's make healthcare preventative and downstream available to all people, or we may not have had that conversation without this pandemic. It's interesting to hear you reflect on that because it's been written about publicly and it's on your website, the origin story of Lemonada, and that it came from this place of grief and sadness and trying to figure out how to unlock the creative forces that you and your co-founder, Stephanie, could could put together to create something. Do you see those parallels now? And I ask that because we can sometimes try to force narratives and I try to be very careful about doing that. And obviously Lemonada has grown into this very forward facing, very popular entity with really important and compelling shows. So I would imagine people are looking for those sorts of things. Does that narrative resonate for you? Or does that one feel like there are two things that are similar, but they're, they're not really the same. Yeah, I think they're, you know, I, we're creating, we're trying to create podcasts at Lemonada that is respond to exactly what's happening or is about to happen at any given moment when it comes to the individual experience. Like you lay your head on the pillow, you're not thinking about what did Trump or Biden eat for breakfast. You're thinking about 
your kids or your parents or why your knees are aching or your future. Um, there's just so many things that occupy our brains that have nothing to do with this sort of political context and climate and everything to do with it at the same time. Um, and that's the space we live in is like what is plaguing us um, at a macro level and at a micro level. And y- you, you know, hinted at my, our backstory, but Stephanie and I both lost our little brothers to accidental heroin overdoses two years apart and found each other um, really on a podcast. Actually, I heard her on Terrible Thanks for Asking, which is one of the greatest podcasts of all time. Um, It's a grief podcast. And Steph was talking about her little brother and two years following his death. And she wrote a bestselling book and was the, the thing that struck me about her was she was funny and she had gone through exactly what I had gone through. And I was like two months out from my brother dying, maybe three. And I didn't think I'd ever be able to smile again. And she made me smile and I found her and we clicked and I convinced her to make this one show about the opioids crisis together called Last Day. And as we were creating that show and pitching it around, and I think this gets exactly what you're what you're saying is, you know, the, the feedback we got from some networks was, oh, this is too niche, this opioids thing. And Steph and I were like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's raise not. your hand if you know someone affected by the opioids crisis in a room yeah. of 100, 100 hands. It's yeah. not niche at yeah. all. There were so many moms at the time that we made last day white knuckling their lives, waiting for that phone call that their kid was dead. There were so many people struggle, and there still are so many people struggling with opioid use disorder who had not one piece of art or article that treated them as if they were people suffering from a disease rather than people with a massive moral failing. And we just trusted our instincts. And I had been with Crooked Media for for several years and had seen a podcast network, you know, pop up and grow and become this real thing. And Steph and I said, you know what, let's, we're the best people to make this series. And um, this is one way in which life sucks and it sucked horribly for us, but life is challenging in a multitude of ways. Let's make a whole network that creates content and community that gets people out of bed in the morning. And so that's what we did. And, you know, we, we weren't sure. Maybe we were like, maybe the networks were right. Maybe this is just a niche podcast. But three months after it launched, it was the number one global trending podcast on Chartable and has had 4 million downloads to date. We came back with season two on suicide um, and everyone said, don't launch a suicide podcast right before the election. And we were like, guess what? People are dying. They need the show. And they came. Um, So, you know, I think we are meeting the moment in that sense and looking ahead and thinking about what are people need? What are people going to need in six months or a year? Um, We're trying to do that at all times. But yeah, I think all of this is happening at once. I don't think it's an accident. These moments in history where social movements gain speed and plateau and dip. And I think the mental health um, movement broadly and the equity movement broadly have converged um, at a time where there's a physical health crisis and the spike in conversations that people are having are just radical and I think permanent in a good way. Many things I would I, I, I want to reflect on with you, but I want to first start by saying I appreciate you saying opioid use disorder. I learned that term for the first time, I think, probably about five years ago at a, a hospital medicine CME, Continuing Medical Education Conference, and the context behind it. And 
I think there's much work to be done in the way we refer to those who struggle with opioid use disorder. And that is an important first step. So that was noted. And I really appreciated that. And you know, right there with you, you know, working with people who struggle with opioid use disorder, that's the daily work when you practice hospital medicine, when you do what I do and when you work within healthcare. And to acknowledge that and take ownership of it and acknowledge that there's space for improvement and different ways we can support each other. It's it's absolutely critical. And so that you and Stephanie were able to kind of push through the resistance and and break out in the way that you have is you know, those are the sort of things that I think help set legacies. And I think that they create new paradigms of how we look and think and talk about things. And it's it's really to be commended because it's really hard. I've done episodes on Explore the Space around the opioid epidemic with some really important authors and some people who've struggled with opioid use disorder. And there's pushback when you do that. And you have to just be able to move through it. And I think for you both to do that. And to know that that's already there in the banks for you guys, that when there are those barriers that you'll push them aside because you have that vision, it's absolutely critical. And I think that's going to send Lemonada into the stratosphere. Thank you. There is something that I liked in what you said, though, you, you when you're trying to look at that future vision, that it's looking at the individual experience and trying to anticipate what's coming. <laughs> It's funny that you said that because when I have looked at the archive of Lemonada and the various shows that have been created, I get the sense that it's a reflection of America at large. I didn't get the sense that it's seeking out that individual experience. And I love that we're that there's that juxtaposition there because the world that you're creating there, as I'm thinking about it, it can really meet both goals. It can be like, here's the reflection of the United States. And I know now there's the international expansion coming too. But I love that in the in the core of that, at the granular level, you're trying to find out what's coming and what is the individual dealing with. How how do you sort of reconcile that so that both things are happening in parallel? Yeah, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. We have a, a zoom out, zoom in concept in everything that we do, every show that we create. Um, and it is interesting because we have completely different formats across the network. So we don't yeah. do one kind of show. Uh, we do deeply narrative storytelling, this American lifestyle shows like um, last day. And we've got a bunch coming out this year. We're doing a, a podcast called the cost of care that we should definitely have David Smith come on your show. Um, he's the host of that show. And it's about just how much money is in the healthcare system and just how little <laughs> of it gets to any of us. You um, can come on anytime he likes. Yeah, <laughs> we, should get, we should get David on. I have some thoughts. <laughs> I bet. Um, those are shows where we have hundreds of hours of tape to distill down to yeah. a 45 minute episode scored and, and narrated and the whole not, scripted, all of it. And then we have series where, where, that are like short essays on a topic. Good kids. It's a parenting podcast, but every single episode is wildly different, totally different guest, completely unhosted. And so you don't get any particular threat. It's just different personal essays, almost like TED Talks on a topic. And we just launched a new series called Good Sex um, that has been the top health show since it launched. And, uh, you know, we, we, we made a bet that uh, people weren't really super psyched about their sex life in the middle of a pandemic. And the, the, the numbers suggest we were right. But each episode is wildly different. We have someone with cerebral palsy who's queer talking about his sex life and and how to you know be be positive about your body at any in any shape in any form and we have some seniors coming on um, we've got Miss Peppermint um, from from Drag Race so like you really get these very 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 unique individualized perspectives 
Um, and then you're you're zooming out and you're just talking about re-educating people on sex, which we all need because um, no one got no one got body positive sex education at any point in human history once ever. And then you have a show like Last Day where we're, we're tackling the opioids crisis. Yeah. We're trying to shed light on solutions. We're spending very little time on what's not working because like NPR and New York Times have done a great job reporting on that. We don't need to do it. Um, what no one did a great job on when we put Last Day out is is talking about what communities and health leaders have already figured out works to keep people alive when they've gotten to the point where they have an opioid use disorder. Um, but we do it by zooming in on someone's last day. So you get this deep story. You're totally in this person's life. Nobody's a villain. The person using their parents who were trying to do everything they can and probably made 150 mistakes. The clinic who wouldn't give my brother, my brother is the, the character in, in season one, wouldn't give my brother his Vivitrol, even though he said it was a life or death situation. He died two days later. Um, but that clinic also was following protocol. He wasn't enrolled in their therapy. And so, you know, when you're a provider, you know how hard it is to make opioid prescriptions or opioid uh, blocker subscriptions. Um, so we try to do the thing where everyone's doing their best. And if 75,000 people are dying a year, then it's just not adding up and making things that seem impossible to understand, very possible to understand and highlighting the work of people who have have figured it out so that the rest of us who think it's impossible to figure out have the solutions in front of us. I get the sense that as you've created all of this and done it from that starting point that you've, that you've discussed transparently here and on the show and in the media around the loss of your brother, that there's this almost a, not a conversion, but a leveraging of some of the components of grieving into aspiration. And I wonder if that is extraordinarily difficult or if it if it's an easier way to move through it. And I ask that specifically because, again, thinking about what individual Americans and individual people around the world need, but also as our shared society, as a shared community, what we need. We're all grieving in the wake of the pandemic in the wake. Mm -hmm. We're all grieving in the midst, probably is still the right way to frame it, in the midst of the pandemic. And we always want to pull out things that lessons and ideas that people who have had ex difficult experiences and moved through them can use. Are there ways that some parts of the grief of the sadness can be turned into something aspirational? And for me, right, in the, we're going to move through the next year where millions of Americans are going to note the first anniversary of the loss of a loved one to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a recurring theme all through 2021 and the beginning of 2022 of people saying a year ago, this person who was special to me died in the, because of COVID-19. And we're going to want to support each other. We, we're going to want to not have that be, you know, rocket fuel for the already emerging mental health crisis in the United States. And I wonder if there are things that you have identified in your own journey that are accessible to others. Yeah. Um, Stephanie always talks about how community is a life jacket and, you know, one of the pillars of, of Lemonada are content and community, like creating these spaces where people can hear themselves mirrored in a podcast format, but also mm -hmm. engage with us in a variety of ways. You know, anyone who listened to last day season one knows that if they wrote to the, Hey, at Lemonada inbox, they got a response from me personally, because those were mostly people who had never been able to share their experiences with anyone until that show came out. Um, people 
we got emails, everything from like, I've been using heroin on and off for 10 years. And my wife listened to the podcast. And this is the first time in 10 years that she's hugged me to pharmaceutical schools being like last day is now part of our curriculum um, at school. And we're using these particular episodes. We hope that's okay. Of course it's okay. Uh, If you're listening to this and you want to use it by all means, so is the state of Colorado. So are a bunch of other places. So I mean, we definitely, we want to do more on the community front. We're still small, um, but we think there's so much power in being able to find each other when you've had these shared traumas, shared experiences, shared solutions, the whole nine yards. And I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, the company's called Lemonada. Um, we made up the word, but the issue, the, the thing that we were trying to hit on was this idea that we, the founders, are making lemonade out of lemons. Our lemons are the loss of our brother brothers and that we're doing that sort of at scale with all of these podcasts talking about the hardest things and turning them into opportunities to grow um, as individuals as listeners as hosts but also grow systemically so you know i think that's the mission that's the mission is to turn the worst things around turn them on their heads and have them be not for nothing on the the, the shared grief i mean man 530,000 people in the U.S. alone um, died so far of COVID. and We can't conceptualize that yet. It's going to yeah. be a generation from now to look back and say that many people passed away from COVID and the pandemic. Oh, my gosh. We're going to need that outside context to, to understand and, and to reconcile it. No, absolutely. And like we feel like it's on us as a company to respond in part to yeah. this, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're doing a lot on In the Bubble, which is the show with Andy Slavitt and temporarily with Dr. Bob Wachter um, around helping people process just what is what is happening day to day in a way that doesn't make you panic, but actually gives keeps you informed and keeps you safe and helps you understand the news and in, in a sort of Churchill, Fred Rogers style yeah. podcast. But we're in the in production on a series that comes out this summer called Good Grief, um, which is part of the good vertical. So I mentioned good kids and good sex. Good grief will help people through the stages of grief just at the time where I think we're going to be able to start processing more um, as vaccines have been made available to most adults. And um, we're able to take a deep breath, step outside our home and face the reality of what just happened. I mean, I think most people, one of my best friends lost her dad in December um, to COVID. Most people are still in the denial phase. You couldn't even she couldn't even see him now. She wanted to. So it's it's like. You've lost your person, but your life is on pause and we're going to pick our heads up and, and grieve in a desperate way soon. Um, So we've got our, we've got our sights set on, on being there at least in part as a network, but it, you know, we are one small podcast company. So I think systemically from schools to employers, to friends and relatives, we've got to be ready for that moment because it's going to be rough. What I feel like you are referring to, and I I am quite certain that this is something that's already in your on the radar and on the list of things to tackle and to process. And you've already are doing it is the the diseases of despair, the biggest one being the epidemic mm-hmm. of loneliness. And these are terms that I learned about a couple of years ago, actually through this through through Explore the Space from guests who came on and talked about these sorts of things. Ben Miller, um, perhaps. So I had Maureen Bizignano from the Wellbeing Trust on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was just shocking to hear what she's laying out, what we're facing as a nation and what we're facing around the world. And this was in July of 2018. 
this was before the pandemic. This was before we all locked down. So now as I hear you frame it and I hear you talk about what the vision of Lemonada is and we think about the individual experience in parallel with the shared experience, man, if there isn't a bigger driver than the epidemic of loneliness, I'm not sure what it would be. Yep. And that, that nobody has ever experienced the level and of grief that someone who lost their person to COVID has. And yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not up for the grief Olympics. Like I lost my brother in the middle of the night and never got to say hello to him again. Like that sucked. People lose their people in bike accidents or slowly over time, watch them fade away. Like it all is just awful and traumatic, but a COVID death is a uniquely horrible thing. And nobody's had a chance to mourn properly, let alone say goodbye. And then you're talking about, you know, 530,000 times the number of people left behind. That's a collective gasp. Um, So we've really got to be thinking about that in every, every aspect of our lives. Um, I will share with you from the other side of that equation, from those who provide care on the sharp edge, you're right. It's a totally different experience. Not even when someone passes, but when someone is hospitalized with COVID or having to be hospitalized for any reason now, Mm -hmm. it's a totally different experience. And I don't think any of us understand it. We seek to understand it. We're trying, Uh, we're trying to, move through it the best that we can, but it is, it is traumatic on every level for all involved for the families, for the, for the person who's sick and for the team trying to take care of them because it's not the normal process in any way, shape or form. And it is, it is grueling. And it's, you know, that again, it's that day after day for over a year, uh, there's a toll and it's something that we can't just say, all right, cool. We've reached herd immunity back to normal. I keep seeing back to normal in the press, as I'm sure you do. Yeah, that 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 is a pipe dream. That is okay. Now we can start to look at the destruction behind us and make sense of it and take care of each other. That's what's next. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then there's people who have lost anyone to COVID were on the front lines of any of this, including cashiers and healthcare workers. And, you, you know, if you happen to skate by alive, like when do you get to take a deep breath and say, right. holy shit, I just lived through that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I still feel like we're still living through it. It doesn't, you know, totally. it, 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 I was on the COVID service at my hospital a few weeks ago and you know, the numbers had begun to dip a little bit and I had received my second vaccine and I was a month out from my second one. So I felt different and all of the team around me taking care of those patients, it all felt different, but it was still totally intense and stressful and putting on PPE and talking with my family about it. And man, we're a long way from that place of, I think you called it the, the great gasp. I think that was the term you just used and I loved it. Um, we're, I don't feel like we're even there yet. No, it'll be good to get there. No, we're not. But, but this uh, Biden is rightfully giving us some milestones, right? He's he's helping us through this by saying in by May, you should be able to have your vaccine by July. You should be able to hang out with your family in your yard. Like these are important things for us to be able to process because otherwise it just feels like, endless um, in a in a a desperate way and yet july is not some magical moment it's just not that's right um and so we've got to be prepared for that that also to be like we are still in a pandemic in july our kids won't have been vaccinated some large ish percentage of adults won't have been vaccinated um we got to see how effective the vaccines are particularly against variants so there's just a lot of variables and we've got to help people through it all. And yet at the same time, Mark, I think like spiritually we're ready to be done. 
Um, the other thing we're working on at Lemonada right now with Wellbeing Trust, actually, they're one of our editorial partners, um, is a series called New Day, which is sort of the complement to Last Day. Um, last Day is like, and, and in the bubble is to some extent, it's like, this is the end of the intervention. Like this person is going to live or die based on a handful of policies we either allow or don't allow in our country. And um, whether it's mental health um, or, or, or opioids or a pandemic, like we're, we're in desperate times down, down at the end of the river on, on interventions. And New Day is sort of the opposite. It's like, how do we create a life worth living in the first place for everyone. And so we're in pre-production on that series now. It comes out this fall just at the moment where we think people will be ready to hit restart on the patterns they've created during the pandemic. Um, one extra drink at night, not getting enough exercise, not hugging anyone, um, not going on vacation and, and really trying to figure out like, okay, what is my life now? And so, you know, we're thinking we're thinking about those depths of despair, the moment of loneliness, and then the sort of collective let's step back out. But like, let's not go back to normal. What is this life now? Somewhere in the far past, you and I have a little bit of shared DNA. I can (laughs) I can can hear how fast your brain moves. I can I can see the agility of your idea creator moving back and forth and putting puzzle pieces together. But I also know that a brain that runs like that tires and my brain runs like that. And I'm curious to know, acknowledging that you and Lemonada are going to be an emerging and a more and more critical piece of how we continue to move through this and heal and and get better and take ownership. How do you take care of yourself? Because you're going to be a critical cog in this, and it can't just be for 36 months. It needs to be longitudinal. You're very kind. I appreciate all of that. I'm sure we could do our... I've never done like a 23 in me because I'm afraid they're going to like start cloning us at some point. But totally. I'm, also yeah. I'm also that, 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 by that it. validates my hypothesis because that's why I'm not doing it either. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I'm like, mm, I don't think I want another one of me. I've um, but I'm I a Calvin and Hobbes fan from when I was a kid and Calvin cloned himself in one of the comic books. And it is hilarious. It's always been a, it's always been a possibility for you. Um, <laughs> totally. And I watched I was a big fan of the Tatiana Slawi show. What was it called? Um, Orphan Black. Have you seen that? No, I have not. I remember it. I've never watched it. It's the greatest. It's one of the greatest shows of our time. Tatiana plays eight parts in it because she plays clones, um, but they all wildly different personalities. It's such a great sci-fi modern drama. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've been managing people for a long time. So I've been like self-reflective for a long time. Any good manager, just basically you just have to think about how terrible you are at all times. It's like parenting. You're like, what am I fucking up every day? I hope this is, you can bleep out my swears. What am I screwing up every single day? That's, that's my parenting approach and my managing approach um, to, in order to get better, you know, striving. And then what am I good at um, is the real asset based way of thinking of it and trying to do more of that and hiring people and working with people who compensate for the things you're just not great at. Yeah. Um, the luckiest thing about Lemonada for me is that I have a co-founder and co-manager of the company, Stephanie. And while we are so similar in so many ways, we approach work wildly differently. So I'm like big ideas. Steph is like detailed, beautiful executor. So if you like any of our shows, it's because Stephanie made them. 
I may have had the idea. And in fact, I did for a lot of them. Like she still doesn't want to do the opioids podcast. She still is like, ugh, opioids. I don't want to talk about it, but the show is a raging success. And it's sort of like big ideas meets incredible execution. Stuff manages our entire production team and makes sure everything that leaves Lemonada's, you know, on airwaves is good. So I don't know. I mean, it is, we're, we're like a small, but growing quickly venture backed company. Um, and that has a special pain to it. So it's a good question. I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it. I do care a lot about my free time and being able to spend time with my kids and stuff. So like I take Fridays off with no meetings. Um, we give our employees tons of PTO and then help them take it by, you know, shutting down the company here and there and shutting down productions on teams. Um, so people have the opportunity to take time off. But yeah, I mean, I'm exhausted. So, but aren't we all right now? It's like a hamster wheel of no vacations and nowhere to go. Fucking exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I would say this though, hearing you describe that, like I'm also now wondering, like, where do I send my CV? Because that sort of structured, hard, hard wiring of people having time to themselves. I've never been good at it. Um, certainly the practice of medicine is not good at it um, for its staff, its teammates, the physicians, the nurses. It's that's that's not part of the and it never has been. It's not like the pandemic did this. This is just the the suck it up and grind it out culture that we are immersed in. And yeah, what what you just described, I think that there's real nuggets of genius in that in terms of how to rebuild and revision and, and re reinterpret how we look after our teams it doesn't have to be there's work to be done so work harder it can be there's work to be done slow down the work is not going anywhere and when you're done with that it'll there'll be more and that's something that i am in the middle of my life i'm 44 i'm just learning that now that it doesn't matter how hard i work today the work is still going to be there tomorrow in the exact same amount if not more and so the slowing down feature that skill I am not good at that yet at all. Yeah. Well, shout out to Bob, because I feel like the hospitalist movement has really helped a lot of my doctor friends, particularly in the Twin Cities, that has like really embraced the model yeah. in being able to ebb and flow and stay in the medical field without burning themselves out. I have friends who do two month stints and then take yeah. a month off. Like, there's yeah. just so yeah. many ways in which it's, it's, it's totally. enabled stellar doctors who are also parents and caring right. for their older parents and, you know, just trying to live their lives, not, not have these crash moments. Yeah. But I think the, the, the thing about it is Mark, that everything we've done from this point backwards in history has been terrible. <laughs> like we've <laughs> fucked everything up totally. and you can see it on Twitter and you can see it in the like lounge room at the hospital and you can hear about it on podcasts. It's just been awful. And yeah. Now, Stephanie and I are, we don't have a particularly women centric company. I mean, our audience is majority women, but it's not like a, it's not like we don't do like fashion beauty podcasts. We do much more hard hitting stuff. I think we have as many male hosts as female hosts. And, uh, but, but, you know, we, we're, we, we care about people deeply and we're in the middle of, I don't know how much you follow like podcast media drama, but there's a fair amount of me too stuff happening, employee stuff happening, um, particularly with startups. And so Stephanie and I and our leadership team and managers are constantly talking about how to not just do what everyone else has done, which is to create some 
podcast behemoth that gets sold for a gajillion dollars and then every employee gets screwed. And um, it turned out it was like a toxic wasteland the whole time. Like we, we want to very much not do that. And it, it's really hard to swim upstream. Uh, so we, we're doing our best to create a place where people can live their lives you know, and it's part of their life and it's not their whole life um, where we value our staff, our, our entire founding team has equity in the company. Um, we're rolling out all sorts of time off for people in a normal time, but also extra time because of the pandemic where we shut down. It's really hard for people to not work right now. Like there's nothing yeah. else to do. Right. There's nothing right. else to do. That's a, that's a fair call out, but the, there's a balance you, to be struck. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if we if we we just gave people a surprise super long weekend after after Fourth of July, after Biden's announcement, because we were like, oh, gosh, people are going to want to get in their cars and go see their parents for the first yeah. time. And sometimes some of them haven't seen their folks in 18 months. Oh my gosh. Um, and we have some young people on our staff, like to not have seen your parents for 18 months and be 24 is like, yeah, brutal. That's brutal. I, I'm very fortunate. Um, I actually live around the corner from my parents. When we yeah. move back to my hometown, they're right there. So we do get to see them and they were part of our bubble. So I can't imagine what that would feel like at all. Cause I'm very fortunate that I'm close with my parents and yeah. my son is close with my parents and it's amazing. these features are, are really valuable. When I do my prep for episodes, I like to let like adjectives and some, some made up words, some neologisms bounce around a little bit and listening to you for the last better part of an hour, you you are a reshaper. I don't even feel like you're a creator as much. You know, we've referenced, I think you said, right. Everything that's come before this, like literally everything we fucked it all up. So now we get to have this opportunity to reshape and re-envision. I feel like that's exactly where you are, that you were in, in some ways, what you're creating and the vision in which you're creating is sort of made for the moment. And I, and I hate that because it sounds like a platitude and I don't like platitudes, but it does feel like the timing around having that vision couldn't be better. Yeah. Um, thank you for saying that all the credit goes to, I've spent, I've had the privilege in my life to have multiple black women as my bosses and Dore McKesson as my best friend. And to the extent I'm doing any kind of world reshaping or Stephanie is or Lemonada is, um, it's in large part because people of color have been like, nah, (laughs) nope. (laughs) Um, we're not making incremental changes to a system that has treated us like trash. And so that worldview has been unlocked for me at at an early age. And, you know, you just, it's really hard to tinker in systems and make change that creates lives worth living. So sometimes you've got to start over and, you know, I think we're, we're bold on that front. And then the cool thing about podcasting is Stephanie and I don't have decades of like radio experience or podcasting experience. So we, we come to it as artists and creators, but we're bringing in a completely different lens on how things can be done. And then our team, they have the decades of experience. So it's a nice, like, you know, meta reshaping of, of, uh, how podcasts get made and who gets to make them. It's, it's, it's a reshaping of how podcasts get made and it's happening at a time where there is so much inward looking work and outward looking work around how does everything in the United States get made And how do we take ownership of it, whether it's related to gender equity or anti-racism or climate change or the opioid epidemic? This is it. Right. And we're in the midst of our lives. So this is the chance to make that imprint. And I think that the way you and the whole Lemonada team have seized that opportunity and said, we're just knocking the head off of what was before and letting new growth come. 
behind it and we're going to be the drivers of the new growth. I mean, that's, that's it. That's what sets the stage for the next 50 years. And it's incredibly exciting. Well, I hope so. And if people are listening who like are into this and want to partner with us, they should reach out to me. Like we work with big, huge brands like Teladoc, CVS Health, Village MD, but we also work with startup companies like Living Guard and Kinsa Health. Um, we're reaching, you know, our audience is super educated, high net worth, very excited for the world to look fundamentally differently. So they can they can find me on email to Jess at lemonadamedia.com. You couldn't have segued better. How do people find you? How do they find Lemonada Media? How do they subscribe to all the podcasts? Where do we go to to, to access all this stuff? Yeah, you can find Lemonada at Lemonada Media on all the major platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and that's the best way to learn about our podcasts. Also our website, lemonadamedia.com. You can find me at Twitter. It's JJ Cordova K. And my Twitter is mostly gifts. So if you're amused by that, great. <laughs> if you're not, feel free to ignore. Um, and I'm also on Instagram at Jessica Cordova Kramer. This was a total treat. Uh, this was a, a wonderful conversation. It, it is always inspiring and exciting to get these sorts of different ways to look at the world. And especially now when the opportunity is there for them to be implemented is is incredibly exciting. Jess, thank you so much for taking the time. This was an absolute treat. Mark, thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. It sounds sounds like you are in the conversation on everything that needs to be talked about. It's fun. It's a it's a fun place to be. I enjoy it very much. Thanks for calling that out. And uh, you know, we'll we'll keep moving together. Thank you so much again. And uh we'll we'll have you back. We'll we'll put a placeholder in because we we there's rocks yet to flip, but a great starting point. Thank you. Thank you. My thanks once again to Jess for joining us on this episode of Explore the Space podcast. Please do check out Lemonada Media. The catalog of shows there is really incredible. And I think as we discussed on the show together now, the reflection of the individual and the shared experience that is building in their Lemonada archive is really exceptional. All of the links are in the show notes, so definitely please check those out. Thank you also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thank you also to the Clinician Experience Project by Practicing Excellence. They provide enterprise-wide healthcare coaching and development solutions for clinicians, leaders, and teams to improve patient connection, team collaboration, and leadership effectiveness. Organizations see significant results when participants spend a mere five minutes per week building skills through app-delivered programs. To learn more, visit www.practicingexcellence.com. And thanks to you for listening to this episode. Always appreciate the support. Definitely check out the archive of Explore the Space podcast. We are closing in on 230 episodes in the archive, which I cannot believe. We will have more great content coming soon, but in the meantime, you can go to www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can email me, mark at explorethespaceshow. Hit me on Twitter, at ETS Show. Thanks so much. We will be back soon with more great content. Until then, make sure to keep wearing your masks, maintain physical distancing, wash your hands, take care of yourselves. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.